Our first uh, scripture reading today is from John's Gospel, the 20th chapter. Actually, both scripture readings will be from John's Gospel. I'm going to split them in half, but I'll be reading from uh, chapter 20, verses 1 through 10. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On an old uh, Tonight Show, that comedian who got no respect, Rodney Dangerfield, told Johnny Carson how he needed to get more healthy. He said, my doctor told me to run five miles a day for two weeks. I called him up and said, Doc, I'm 70 miles from house. What do I do? Well, our Easter story this morning is a lot like a Nike sneaker commercial. Everybody is running. Mary Magdalene runs away from the tomb. Peter and John run towards the tomb. Easter was the ultimate fun run. And I hope on this Resurrection Sunday that you will get Easter energy to run out of here after the service and tell the world the good news that Jesus Christ is alive. But first, I invite you to please join me as I finish the Easter story from John's Gospel And I'll be reading again from chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. You can follow along. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, you did your greatest work early in the morning on the first day of the week. And now here we are in the morning on the first day of the week. 
And we pray for You to come and illuminate Your Word as we await for Your resurrection power to flood our beautiful, newly renovated sanctuary and to fill our lives. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. Well, for 11 years, the uh, television show Cheers opened up with the words of this song. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to go where people know. People are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. And in many episodes, this middle-aged man with curly hair would walk through the doors of Cheers and everyone inside would yell, Pretty good. (laughs) Hey, wouldn't it be great if that happened to us? Wouldn't it be great if we could be known and greeted like that? Well, maybe you're someone here wondering, does God really know me like that? In other words, does does God know my name? Does God care for me like that? Well, those were the feelings inside of Mary Magdalene as she was going to the tomb on that first Easter morning. Mary Magdalene had seen it all. She had listened to the bloodthirsty crowd clamor for Jesus' crucifixion. She shivered in horror at the sight of his skin being ripped off his back in torture by the Roman soldiers. She winced as the crown of thorns sliced his head and brow. She sobbed as he breathed his last and died on the cross. And now, all alone, Mary Magdalene comes to the cemetery. Why do you think she went to the tomb? After all, Jesus was dead. She probably went for what we call today closure to see his body, to say a final goodbye. Only when she arrived, that great stone that had been in front of the mouth of the cave had been pushed back. And immediately she thought, oh no, not only have they killed him, but they've desecrated his grave. They've stolen his body. And so she turns around to run back to Peter and John. Well, in the next scene, Peter and John come running. Their hearts are pounding. Their faces are dripping with sweat. And I just love what John says in verse 4. It says, the two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Were these guys competitive or what? Something I have no idea about. I can't relate to that. (laughs) But over and over again, we find Peter and John trying to uh, outdo each other on everything. And now here's John. He's writing his memoirs. He's probably in his 90s. And it's as fresh in his mind as if that had occurred yesterday. And so he writes with pride, both were running, but I left Peter in the dust and got there first. Now here's what's really interesting. Who did Jesus appear to first? Believe it or not, it was to neither of those cutthroat competitors. Because if, if if Jesus had appeared to either Peter or John, we probably would find someplace in the Bible where it says, and Jesus said, once and for all, who's the greatest? He appeared to me doesn't say that our lord gave the greatest privilege to a fragile woman a woman with a checkered past a woman who has a history of mental problems it was said that mary magdalene had seven demons you know the word seven is the word for completion which means she was in total control of the powers of darkness you would not find mary magdalene in the running for who's the greatest 
It was all she could do to make it through the day. And so Peter and John come, they look inside, and it says in verse 8, they saw and believed. Well, do you think they believed in the resurrection? I'm not so sure, because if you read the context closely, it really wasn't the resurrection that they believed in, but it was Mary's story that they had stolen Jesus' body. And and Peter sort of mumbles under his breath something about those blankety-blank grave robbers, and then he turns around and goes home. But here's the key. Mary stays. She looks inside the tomb. She sees those linen cloths that had been worn by Jesus. And then she starts to cry. Very often, the most difficult part of the grieving process is when you come home after the funeral and you're all alone. The house is really empty and it's quiet. Those friends have already dropped off their casseroles and they've gone back to their lives. But everywhere you look around, there is a reminder of that loved one. You think, oh, that's, that's the chair he used to sit in. Or you find a shopping list, and oh, that, that's her handwriting. And, and there's this ache, this void deep in your soul. When Mary looked inside, her experience was a little bit different because she found two very chipper young men dressed all in white. And they asked, woman, why are you weeping? Now, if you think about it, that's a rather strange and even insensitive question to ask someone who's standing in the middle of a cemetery. But then out of the corner of her eye, she sees another figure approaching, and she just assumes that this must be the guy in charge, Hal say. She thinks he's the gardener. And he asks the very same question, woman, why are you weeping? And we have this beautifully comic scene, and the joke is on Mary. Here she is, she's weeping, and she's crying, and she's wondering, where is my Lord? He's dead, and they've taken him away. And standing right in front of her is Jesus, biggest life, talking to her, listening to her. Friends, it is possible to be in the presence of the risen Christ, even on Easter morning, without him having the slightest impact on us. And I don't know, maybe you're someone sitting here this morning, and you're surrounded by all these smiling Christians. Only smiling folks from chestnut level. But if you were to be honest, deep inside, you feel a lot like Mary. All alone, battling these sorrows that you have in your soul. But just imagine the irony. Here is Jesus standing closer to her than, than I am to you. And there's Mary still in this deep blue funk of despair. How many of us are still living our lives today as if Jesus were in that grave. Now, to be fair and, 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 and honest, we do have things that go wrong in our lives, correct? Reminds me of a story of a little boy who was walking along one day. He was pulling his little red wagon. And as he was walking, one of the wheels of that wagon fell off. Well, that little guy let fly with a word that we don't use in church because it's not appropriate. But let's just say that the word he used was the word dang, dang. Well, there was a pastor nearby, and he heard what the young boy said. He said, no, son, we Christians don't talk that way. When something goes wrong in your life, say instead, praise the Lord. Well, a few days later, the pastor was walking down the street. There was that boy pulling that little red wagon. And all of a sudden, all four wheels fell off that wagon. The pastor ducked behind a tree to see what the little boy would do. That little boy stood there. He gritted his teeth. His face turned beet red. He had spiritual warfare going on inside of him. And finally, he shouted, praise the Lord. 
Miraculously, all four of those wagon wheels jumped back on the wagon. Pastor leaned out from behind the tree and said, Dang! We're celebrating a miracle today, something that really happened. And friends, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was not just some warm feelings in the hearts of faithful followers a long time ago. It happened. It really happened. And if it did not happen, then the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians, we are of all people to be most pitied. There's one word, one word that opens Mary's eyes. One word. It's a word of intimate tenderness. Mary. Nobody else in the whole world could say her name like the way Jesus said it. Mary. You know, we all have people in our lives who say our name in a special way. You have people in your lives that say your name in a special way. Sometimes, and Dad's here today, I'll I'll call him while I'm driving on 272 heading towards the church. And I always try to call him before I hit that that dead zone at the buck where you get all those dropped calls and then you look at your your phone and you get that that dreaded call failure message on your phone. But no matter what, whether I'm calling dad for the first time or calling him back, the voice on the other end always always says, hey, Johnny, hey, Johnny. Jesus has a very special way of saying your name too. She hears Mary And she screams for joy, Rabuni, which means teacher. And she's about to go airborne into the arms of Jesus. But Jesus says, no, no, don't don't touch me. And that heart of Mary, which, which was filled with joy, starts to break a little bit because she realizes that Jesus can no longer be touched. She would no longer know him by holding his hand or by having a shoulder to cry on. But but here's the greatest part of Easter. Our lives in Jesus Christ are no longer a matter of touching a little bit here or touching a little bit there because from now on, he is living inside of us and he's closer to us than he has ever been before. And that is what caused the disciples to have what the late Presbyterian pastor and author Frederick Beekner has called the sheer lunatic joy of Easter. I'm willing to bet that today, a lot of sermons in churches across the country, across the world, are being preached about how Easter is the hope that comes to us when we die. That's true, yes. But you're only getting half of the joy of Easter if you think that because that's not what the disciples were celebrating. Peter and John don't look inside the tomb and think, oh great, now we get to live forever. They did not make the connection between the empty tomb and their own life after death. What sent them into near hysterical joy is that Jesus is alive. And on this Easter morning, We break out into song because death is dead, hope is alive, and Jesus Christ is risen today. He is risen. And when he speaks the name Mary, he is also speaking each one of your names. Why? Why? Because we are precious in his sight. That's why. The late preaching professor Fred Craddock tells a story about being out in the mountains of Tennessee when he got into a conversation with an old man who was walking with a cane. The old man took Fred uh, Craddock by the arm and said, son, my name is Ben Hooper. He told Fred Craddock the story of how he was an illegitimate child. He said, I grew up in a tiny town in Tennessee and nobody knew who my father was. 
Oh, there was great speculation as people would whisper things behind my back. And they would say things like, I wonder who's his father. Who does that boy look like? I wonder where that boy's father is. He said, as I grew older, I found a preacher in the church that I liked, but I didn't really want him to know me. And so I would sneak and sit in the back of the church. Must have been a good Presbyterian. And I did so so that I wouldn't have to face those people in my tiny town. I would sit on the back pew until the end of the sermon, and then I would leave the church during the last hymn because I just couldn't stand being labeled as illegitimate. One Sunday, the preacher caught up to the man before he got out the door. And the preacher said, say, I know you. You're the son of... He said, I just about cringed and died. But then the preacher continued. He said, you're the son of the king. And you bear a remarkable resemblance to him. Now go and live it out. Fred Craddock says that as the old man talked, he remembered his own father telling him about a governor of Tennessee who was an illegitimate child, a man by the name of Ben Hooper who served three full terms as governor of the state of Tennessee. My friends, Jesus Christ has called you by name. You are a child of the king. He made you that way through his cross and resurrection, and you bear a remarkable resemblance to him. Now go and live it out, boldly proclaiming, I have seen the Lord. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Our gracious God, it happened. It really, really happened. And how we thank you that what happened far away and long ago can also happen right here in our hearts today. That 2,000 years later, we still feel the momentum of what you began. Oh Lord, we want to hear you say our name this morning in that special way. Make us all to be living, breathing evidences of your resurrection power. How we thank you that you appeared to a very fragile individual to someone who had many issues in her life, because on some level, we're all a lot like Mary Magdalene. We all have a deep need to be loved and touched and healed by you. And Lord, we thank you that because you live, we can face tomorrow. And because you live, all fear is gone. Because we know you hold the future, and life is worth the living, just because you are alive. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ, that we pray these things. Amen.